everybody, I'm Mackenzie. Welcome to Unfiltered Legends. In each episode, John the Legend Boker talks to pool and spa people, professionals, service techs, pool owners, about their experiences. The ups, the downs, the funny, and the sad. Well, actually, they filter out the sad. We're here to entertain, but you might learn a few things along the way. In this episode, the team sits down with Donovan Chanahan from Plungy Pools. Before jumping in with the Australia Pool Builders, Donovan's career took him from the friendly skies to the trade show floor. So please, return your tray to the upright, locked position and enjoy. See, girls can't do that. I mean, they filter, they do the Photoshop, the Facetune. If they ever went missing, we'd never find them. (laughs) What now? I can hear you. Legend. Today, we're talking about the Prime Minister of Australia, pools in Dallas, and a van trip from San Francisco to Portland. Is this planes, trains, and automobiles? It's just another episode of Unfiltered Legends. He lost all his money because he picked up a hitchhiker after Vietnam. I'm upstairs by myself in a closet. Just got more awkward. The least popular podcast ever. (laughs) (laughs) That is a rough start. I think we're good to go, so Johnny, go ahead and take it away. You always lead the show, buddy. This is the worst opening we've had so far. <laughs> Donovan, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Why don't you kind of start by uh, telling us who you are, what you do, and how 2020 uh, affected you? So first off, I'm Donovan Shanahan. I'm with Plungy USA, a new precast swimming pool in the industry, but... For the majority of 2020, I was with the International Pool Spa Patio Expo, which are where most of uh, people know me from. That was a, a challenge, for sure. Obviously, the trade show world has uh, been really knocked around with COVID. But luckily for our industry, I, I think that the, the challenge was not only received well, as far as being able to get out there, but the amount of business has just been through the roof. So. Uh, I think the industry adapted to what was initially looked at as, you know, the end of the world to all of a sudden the best year ever, you know, for a lot of folks. So, um, yeah, so 2020 has been rough on a personal note. My wife battled breast cancer and we are in the, in the, on the backside of that, which is good. We're uh, still there, but, uh, looking good. 2021, I'm looking forward to a great year. So was it only pool trade shows that you, you ever did or were you involved in other types of trade shows? So early in my career, I would do medical shows, pharmaceutical shows, any kind of show. When I started working with Hanley Wood and Informa about 10 years ago, I came on and uh, was specifically assigned to the, the pool and spa expo. So that's where I spent the last decade getting to know all you guys and, and learning the industry and, and uh, educating people and dragging people along and the whole thing. So kind of describe what your responsibilities were, I guess, on the trade show side. I mean, I just knew that you were the guy with the suit walking around. You were the best best guy at all the trade shows. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a weird thing because the trade show happens once a year. So it's an annual cycle, you know, and I'd have to drag clients like John and Kevin up, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it would be a lot of uh, learning about what their company's goals are and you know almost working as a, a extension of their team from how can i help market to the business to the industry you know where are you trying to grow how can we do things off season 
trade show people have to become a lot more savvy marketers now because of COVID. You don't have a trade show floor necessarily to go to, or you're in a hybrid event where you've got to say, hey, how can I help you reach people through digital means? Or, you know, we can go old school, especially with the cool spa industry. You know, how can we reach them with a fax blast? Or uh, <laughs> a, a, a direct mail piece, you know? So we can get creative and they have to get creative. For me, it was all about building the relationships with clients and working with guys like John on how can I help you guys reach your goals? And, uh, you know, basically trying to squeeze some, squeeze some money out of these guys. <laughs> Is the chlorine shortage giving you heartburn? If so, reach for borates. Borates, like those in Proteam Supreme. They help keep water balanced so your sanitizer works better. They work with all sanitizers and they're the perfect complement to salt chlorine pools. Ask your supplier about Proteam Supreme or Proteam Supreme Plus. Visit ProteamPoolCare.com to learn more. Donovan, when you're working on a show, how far backdated do you begin to actually work on a show? When does... 2020 national show when does that start when do you start working on that so you start working on the show uh, probably about two or three months before the current edition this year the show will be in dallas and uh, before i left we had actually started already dropping the you know the bigger booths onto the show floor getting those anchor companies spaces allocated because a lot of times it's, it's a big party essentially you look at a trade show it's just a big party we're all coming together you know, I want, you know, I want it to be that, that crazy high school party, though, that, you know, you and you and you invited those, how did you guys get here? We want that crazy high school party where everybody shows up, but everybody wants to know who's coming first, you know, so we got to say, oh yeah, here's Avalon, you know, and everybody's looking for that big food. Um, looking for the Fed Bears, you know, the Haywards, the Havilands, you know, the big players, of course. The equipment guys with real money. Yeah, we hear you. Yeah, so it's all about creating that party atmosphere and getting everybody involved. And it starts a good 15 months prior to that particular edition. But then you got crossover because that last three months leading into the existing show that you're still trying to sell and, and get that party started. So is the revenue stream for the trade show guys, is it, especially on a kind of a one show deal, is that it? That's the That's the income for the year? That's it for that particular show. Yeah. So one annual bottom line feeder. That's it. For the most part, 95% of that revenue comes from that show floor and, and uh, selling that concrete to you guys. Yeah. So what's the most stressful part of that? When is, when is, is it crunch time? Is it a few weeks leading up to it? Is it day of show? What is it? Um, you'll have a stressor on setup days because that's when, when uh, clients are calling and they're saying, Hey, my truck isn't allowed in to, to unload yet. And I got a bunch of guys sitting around here getting paid to sit, you know, that does not make me happy. Yeah. Um, or, you know, where is my truck? I'm like, I don't know where your truck is. You better call your chipper. <laughs> you know, they could be at the wrong building. You know, I've had, I've had trucks show up at the, the Las Vegas convention center when they're supposed to be at Mandalay Bay. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's tracking stuff down. So there's stressors with that. Not so much for me, but for, for my clients, you know, and I'm, I'm the first person they're going to call. The other stressor is that early piece, you know, and we're talking to, you know, the anchor companies, the ones that are viewed as, you know, you know, if they're here, then the industry's here, you know, and getting those guys booked and on board. The budgets that those guys have is, you know, can push a million bucks, you know, flying in 150 staff and hotels and fancy steak dinners and $100,000 trade show booths and everything else. 
Yeah, we we take the train normally to uh, Atlantic City and get uh, White House subs. That's how we uh, that's how we do. The show. <laughs> When 2020 starts falling apart on everyone, when does it hit you guys at the, at the show that we're going to have to do something or this is going to go off the rails and what's happening? Do you know what's happening yeah, behind well, the scenes? Kind of. <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of run you through my typical transaction back in March of 2020. And I would call somebody up at the beginning of March. Just as COVID is starting to hit, right? People are like, get kind of freaked out. And I call up and say, hey, uh, you know, let's talk about your trade show booth. What are we going to do this year? And they're like, are you kidding, man? The world's falling apart. We're hunkering down. We're not traveling. We're masking up. There's no no chance of booking a trade show booth today, let alone maybe this year. Fast forward about a month, call that same guy in the beginning of April. And I say, hey, how you doing? You know, last time I talked to you, the world was falling and the sky was caving in. And uh, he'd be like, oh, my God, now I've got so many orders. I can't keep up. Now I can't serve my clients. I'm, I'm out of stock. I've got you know shortages on all, all fronts. And then they'd say, well, how, how's it going for you? <laughs> and I would say, hmm, have you ever been kicked in the balls? <laughs> you're telling me you're having the best year ever, but there's absolutely no way you're spending any money to book a trade show. It was a, a rough <laughs> few months. And then, you know, in the uncertainty from... You know, April through July, when, you know, we hadn't officially shifted the show to a online format, that period of time was tough because people are like, you know, you guys so obtuse, you're still hosting a show, you know, and I'm like, well, man, that's eight months away. I mean, who knows what could happen in months? We can't cancel the show. I got to say that uh, your comment, uh, the, the use of the word obtuse reminded me of one of my favorite movies, the uh, Shawshank Redemption. What are you calling me? I like the vocabulary, buddy. <laughs> You're in for life now. Speaking of escaping a uh, uh, lifetime prison sentence, then you jump into Plungy. How long were you a free agent? About 24 hours from what I saw on your social media? Yeah, I had a weekend off. So, uh, you know, the, the the trade show folks had uh, uh, put together, um, you know, some exit packages for folks. And so October 30th was my final day at the show. They kind of held on to me a little bit longer to kind of get the show transitioned for 2021 and, and trying to sell some of those anchor booths into the show for this year. And then uh, so October 30th was my last day. And then November 1st, I started plunging. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, take off one hat, put on the next, no vacation to Hawaii. <laughs> and you had worked with those folks for a decade, right? And I'd imagine being in the trenches with a stressful job. That's got to be that's got to be a little tough. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's interesting. So I, I um, you know I've worked at small companies and big companies throughout my career, and you know there's, there's pros and cons to both. You know, coming to a, a launch company in Plungy here in the U.S. Uh, really appealed to me because it was going to be a small team. I would have a lot more influence on how things go. Stain Drop All Purpose XPH is the ultimate stain preventative formula. Each quart of XPH equals 30,000 gallons of pool stain prevention. Visit PoolStainDrop.com to learn more. So talk a little bit about who contacted you at Plungy and who is Plungy. Who is Plungy? So Plungy is a brand that's part of a, a much larger group called 
uh, Venlo Investments, and they own a product called Tough Build, and they've got a product called Tread, and they've got lots of other companies within the fold. But Plungy USA is the first uh, brand that's launching in North America. How I came to be with Plungy, Plungy uses a product called Eco Finish on the interior of the pool. So when somebody orders a pool, they choose the color, we finish it in the, in the factory, then we'll ship it to them and, and do the install and get it done very, very quickly, which is part of the volume game. And uh, my client for 10 years at EcoFinish called me one day in February and said, hey, you're going to get a call from a guy um, in Australia and uh, does this precast pool. And he told me he's launching in North America. And I told him that uh, he should call you. He's the real deal. That was the terminology. He goes, the guy's a real deal. Weeks would go by and I think, uh, you know, my guy Kevin has filled me with uh, hope and then left me hanging. <laughs> and uh, and we get a call from a guy named Ty Hermans, who was uh, the, the brainchild behind the plungy pool and unstoppable force, you know, pushing things. And uh, he's like, hey, we're going to be in uh, North America in March. So let's uh, let's meet up and, and in Dallas. So uh, in early March, this is, again, just as COVID is breaking, wow. you know, we meet and, and um, have dinner with him and his wife. My, my wife and I went and had dinner with him and his wife. And then a couple of days later, I had a, a real interview. And then um, they went off to go. You know, do some other business across the United States. They went to Napa for a little wine tasting and preparing for these other businesses to come over. Fast forward about three weeks, and now, you know, COVID is full blown. It's everywhere. And uh, he calls me up and says, Hey, we we're planning to be here for about a year getting this thing up and running, but we've got to get on a plane and get home because they're about to shut the shut the border. We're, we're going on countrywide lockdown. So he's like, let's, let's meet before you go. All right. Uh, let me find a place because everything's closed. Coffee shops, restaurants, everything's closed. So I said, look, I'll text you an address. So uh, we probably met for about four hours in this hotel lobby. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're trying to cram all this information into one meeting. During the middle of this meeting, he gets a call. He's like, hey, sorry, mate, got to take this one. It's the prime minister. What? The wow. sister of Australia reaches out to him and say, look, we need your manufacturing capacity in Australia to start producing PPE and medical masks and everything else. So within a matter of weeks, he's meeting with uh, government officials to get his uh, manufacturing capacity up to produce medical masks and PPE and protective equipment. And uh, and uh, and Chris over here, my GM, was telling me a story that uh, I had the uh, personnel in the building to assess the capacity to produce these masks. And they said, hey, look, you got a lot of what you need, but you don't have a, a secure clean room and a sanitized space to seal these things up and, and, and you know, it has to be super clean. And, um, and he says, what's it take? And, you know, they kind of outlined the steps it would take and what benchmarks he has to hit. And so he went into the uh, a floor of his manufacturing plant where he had marketing and sales uh, desks and people set up. And he said, okay, all you guys go home. You're working from home till further notice. One little off-color story, and I don't know if they'll make your make your podcast. Those are the only ones that make the podcast. Absolutely, well, so, you know, he puts out a LinkedIn interview, and it's him talking. It's a it's a video interview. He's like, "All right, need to get a couple of uh, people who can hit the ground running, who know how to work with government contracts." Here's what we're doing: we're doing medical mask PPE. You know, we have a real no dickhead policy here, <laughs> etc. You know, and I keyed in on the no dickhead policy. So uh, the next week, when we're on our weekly call, I said, "Hey, Ty, I like your uh, your no dickhead policy." He's like, yeah, mate, you can flirt with the line, just don't cross it. (laughs) 
That's a power move saying, I got to take a call from the prime minister. Right. Johnny said once he had Burger King waiting for him once outside, but people knew that was a joke. So your role in Plungy, how are you guys marketing into the pool network? Because as you know, the pool channels to market are uh, varied. So we're, we're in the U.S. We are trying to go almost all B2B. We figure that's just going to be the best way to, to uh, move the product and, and serve the customer. You know, on the end, customer is going to be the one who needs the most care. It would take an army of customer service people to, to care for those people. And uh, as you guys know, sometimes it's a little picky with their <laughs> projects. You know, so we are delivering, you know, a pretty simple pool. It's got eco finish on it. It's pre-plumbed. We've got equipment packages they can order. They get delivered and, and hooked up. But what we don't do is any of the custom stuff, which a lot of people like. And um, that's something that's outside. It's one step removed from us. So with my dealer network, I've got some contacts in the industry. So I'm like, hey, you get somebody who wants waterline tile. You know, we'll work with our network of uh, suppliers so that you can get that product and get that artist in there to do that waterline tile. Or if the pool's only partially exposed or partially buried in the ground, we've got a big blank canvas, a 20-foot wide concrete. What do you want to do with that? You want to do a mosaic? You want to try to get the... Uh, the legend logo put on there, maybe that could work, you know? The legend logo (laughs) works anywhere, buddy. Anywhere. So we want to let the the B2B network do a lot of the work and take care of the customer better than we could on that end cap relationship. We are going to provide a lot of marketing power for the dealer though. So our uh, website is built to funnel all the leads into into me, essentially into my team. And then we're going to vet those leads and we're going to qualify them and then we're going to shoot them out to that respective dealer in their area. The United States is a big country, man. So um, hard for me to, uh, I was actually talking with a, a dealer in San Francisco area or the Bay Area this morning. And I'm like, look, I, you know, if somebody calls me up from San Francisco and says, hey, I got a little leak over here. I'm like, yeah, sure, hold on. I'll pop in the car. See you in three days. <laughs> so I need you guys. And uh, we are, are building a, a pool that's you know, concrete, which we feel is the most prestigious kind of pool to have. And we're bringing the price down. So we think that uh, there'll be a large segment of the population who has always felt they've been uh, priced out of a concrete pool who now can have So with the pre-manufacturing, what's the, I signed on the dotted line, I want a plungy pool. I signed Sunday. What day am I swimming? So when I get a, a lead from somebody, and they say they request a delivery. We've got a spot that says request a delivery. And I ask them three questions. Number one, is the address you provided where your install is? You know, so I got people who's like, oh, I put up my vacation house in Florida. So not Maine. Right. <laughs> and number two, when do you want to host your first pool party? And am I invited? <laughs> and then uh, the third question is, do you have a builder or contractor that you like and, and love? Uh, that you want us to work with or do you need me to connect you with a local dealer installer and you know 95 percent of the time they're like please connect me with a dealer installer i do not have these you know tradesmen on speed dial so what i work with is is, is that second question when do you want to start swimming and most of the times we're saying by summer you know I'm like okay well we have a we have a we can pump out a pool a day for each mold so uh, whether that's one mold or ten molds uh, that'll determine how many pools we can pump out in a day. And then we take, uh, you know, another day to do the finish work and then a third day to maybe cure. So after a pool comes out of the mold, it can be on a truck within three days, depending where you are and what plant that 
pools coming out of. You know, we can have a pool to your house probably within within a week. And uh, you know, I think right now, depending on where you're at, the the bigger delay is going to be getting a permit. So if you're in a bigger city, some of those permit wait wait times, especially with COVID, is getting lengthy. Dallas is ten weeks plus. So you submit for your wait ten weeks. Um, you know, so all my Dallas dealers, I'm like, you better get people to sign up now, get a deposit, get a pool in the production queue. But if you're not in the issue of a permit lag, then um, you know we can get a pool out to you probably within uh, two weeks, maybe three weeks. Have you guys seen any delays in raw materials and the like? For us, I mean, there's again this whole 2020 bleeding into 2021 with production and, and manufacturing and getting people to understand that, hey, you know, I might have the stuff for us to put in a bottle, but I don't have the bottle to put the stuff in, you know, and, and so there's, do you guys experience any type of those delays on raw materials or production? The only issue we've had a little bit is getting some of our white goods from our supplier, you know, like uh, eyeball returns or uh, water stops, things like that. So sure. no problem with concrete with our, with our plant. And uh, no problem with the steel as of yet. You know, we are going to offer four different equipment packages from a basic chlorine pool to what we call plungy salt and the plungy eco ozone uh, package. And, and uh, we have a plungy smart system. You know, we've got four basic packages that we'll offer. So they can buy the pool, buy the package, and all show up. You know, and then there's add ons. You know, we can get a heater. One thing we're doing, since our pool is only 10 by 20, is we engaged with an engineer who makes styrofoam free spa covers. So he has designed a five panel system for our 10 by 20 pool and anybody gets a heater i'm like well you want to get an insulating cover so you're not watching that uh, that money you're putting into heating that water just evaporates donovan are you oh Jana, go ahead yeah. <laughs> <sighs> they always talk over me i'm sorry i didn't see you there <laughs> i didn't see you there it's so dark so from my understanding you pretty much work more with the homeowners than with builders would y'all i mean is do you kind of see yourself working more with builders absolutely yeah no i mean what we do is we're funneling the homeowners in okay we're kind of qualifying them and then i'm shooting them to that dealer so uh okay. yeah, go for it. well because i asked yeah because there's so weird this uh prefab pool conversation was brought up with a pool builder last night and where I'm at in Texas, it's all gunite. We frown on vinyl, fiberglass, all of that. Well, the builder, he was like, this actually sounds amazing because I could cut out so many subs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the flow for me is, and, you know, I've, I've got like four dealers here in Dallas. Uh, lead comes into me, I'll qualify them, and then I'll introduce them to that dealer. Basically, I got to, you know, keep tabs on that lead kind of through that dealer say hey look man i gave you these 25 pot leads what's the status on each you know like once a week i'll kind of go through and, and get a, a status update and then we'll i start identifying guys who uh you know took the time to get the site visit and they got a full quote we had the crane guy come out to, to quote what that crane cost is going to be because that is our biggest x factor is the crane because the further we got to you know the further we got to reach with that pool the uh, more expensive it is and in some cases especially in Dallas or, or North Texas, they're building these gigantic homes uh, on lots and they're, they're squeezing them in and you got this little tiny sliver of a backyard and our pool fits awesome in there. 
because you know it's a 10 by 20 pool we just drop it in and uh, uh but then the the crane guy's like man I, I have no access except from the front of the house so we'll have to you know spend 15 grand on that crane you know i'm like it's still i think it's still cheaper than that gunite pool but it you know that eats into our buffer a little bit um and then the added benefit is I, I've decided we need to get a private label of the pen. <laughs> As you're watching it go over the house? <laughs> Sucking your thumb and you're curled up in a ball. Yeah. Oh, I could never. It's one thing to watch a fiberglass pole go over a house. I couldn't watch a concrete pole. <laughs> <laughs> so Donovan, are you? Are they manufacturing? What locations are you actually manufacturing the pools in? So we're manufacturing outside of Dallas here in Waxahachie. And then we have a plant that's going to be firing up outside of Toronto in March. And then we've got plans for some expansions to some other uh, plants in in uh, in the U.S. out west and maybe out east. So hopefully by the end of the year we'll have those up and running. So did you get the job because you were local? Uh, no, man, I got it because all the surfer hair. Before you jumped into the pool world, you were in another high stress yeah. industries because yeah. you were in the airline industry for a number of years. Tell us a little bit about how you got into that and uh, why you got out of that. Sure. So uh, I worked for United Airlines kind of cumulative time, about 15 years, maybe 16 years. My uh, my mother worked for United Airlines for almost her entire career. And then in the summertime, uh, they would always hire extra help. So in the summers while I was in college, I would work on the ramp. You know, um, throwing bags. I mean, sorry, handling low. You're a baggage handler. Uh, you know, it's uh, not disconcerting at all that they hire uh, summer part-time help in the airline industry. It doesn't bother me one bit. Especially with those heavy bags that said fragile on them. Fragile. <laughs> the fancy ones. <laughs> yeah, French. Yeah, so I, I did that in the summers while I was in college, and, and uh, they loved it because I was a cross-country runner, so I was always up early, and, and uh, it was a good workout for me, you know. But... Um, after I finished college, they said, hey, why don't you just come work full time? And since I'd grown up with, you know, free passes and able to travel wherever I wanted, you know, kind of whenever I wanted, I still wanted to explore the world. So um, I went to work uh, in Spokane full time, uh, again, handling luggage and then um, working as an agent and, you know, inside, outside, you kind of do everything at those small airports, you know. And about three years into it, my older brother wanted to move to New York. And, uh, you know, we both grew up in small towns in eastern Washington, and uh, there's a lot of world out there. So I said, yeah, man, let's let's go check it out. I mean, might as well. We're young. Do it now. And um, so I applied for any job with the United Airlines that would be, you know, based in New York, and uh, the flight attendant job came up. So I became a flight attendant, and I was based actually in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, but we, me and my brother and I lived in, in uh, Queens for a year, and... Um, after about six months, we decided New York was cool to visit. Um, but I continued uh, my, my flying career for about another eight years, flying up until 2005, 2006. That's when I kind of hung them up as far as flying goes. But definitely a high-stress environment at times. I like to say it's the lowest-stress job ever. Because as soon as you get off the plane, your job is done. There's no paperwork. There's no you know phone calls I got to make, you know, except, <laughs> you know, Call home to check in, and, and then uh, you're off to the bar with the crew. One of the most stressful times of my life was, of course, 9/11. Uh, being a crew member, I was a, a reserve flight attendant, so I was on calls. I would be on for six days, and I wouldn't know where I was going or what I was doing. 
and um, and I had to go to Shanghai. So they had called me and said, hey, we need you to stay an extra night because the crew the following day is short. We left Shanghai and we're over the Pacific and I get a call from the flight deck and the captain's like, hey, listen, we got to lock the door. You know, some kind of, some kind of, uh, you know, crazy terrorist act has happened in New York, but we don't know anything. You know, they didn't know anything. They just got a message saying, lock the door. There's been, you know, an act of terror. And of course, we're all thinking, oh, some kind of weird bomb threat or something, you know. We landed in San Francisco, and I think we may have been the last plane to land in the U.S. because uh, they tried to divert us to Canada. But our, our pilots, like, we don't have the gas. It's either San Francisco or, or you know, turn this thing into a boat. So what do you want to do? And um, we landed in San Francisco. So I, I think I had a flip phone back in those days. So no, no instant news, you know. But everybody's getting off the plane, and you're hearing little whispers and bits. And, and of course, everything happened hours and hours ago. And so I, I called a car rental, and they said, well, we don't have any cars. Uh, I can get you a cargo van. Okay, I'll get whatever you got, you know. And then they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I want to go to Spokane. They're like, well, we'll let you go as far as Portland. So I, I rented this van and uh, started driving north. I was met in Portland. Uh, with uh, some of my family picked me up and then we finished the drive. But the, the weirdest thing for me was that I was listening to the radio for 15 hours. I didn't see a TV till I got home. And it dawned on me, I'm like, this is how it was like. Before TV, people had only the radio. So it was kind of a real experience to, to listen to this for 15 hours. And um, and then finally see a TV 15 hours later, and it was still completely unbelievable. Was there any hesitation getting back into the air? Um, I actually volunteered to take a furlough. United went through some severe layoffs and uh, two bankruptcies. And so I was luckily in a position where I could work for my dad and um, take time off so that somebody else wouldn't get laid off. And I had, you know, my daughters, I have twin daughters and they were babies at the time. So I thought, I'll take, I'll take time, I'll work, you know, here. And then after six months, you know, I, I went back, you know, so my furlough time was up. So I went back to work. Yeah, no hesitation on my end. So if you're a homeowner or you're a pool builder, how, how do you get a hold of Plungy Pool? You go to plungy.com, our IP finder will say, hey, you're in the U.S., do you want to go to the U.S. site? You click yes, and then you can learn all about the pool. Our social media feeds are the same on both. And that's going to pull images from installs that are that are live in, in Australia. We'll have our own media with U.S. installs in February. We've got a job up in Nashville coming up soon, and then we'll have you know, a Dallas job as soon as we clear that, that permit hurdle. It'd be great to see some plungy pools at uh, at a trade show. Unfortunately, the timing poor. Well, with the show in Dallas, we've got some we've got some plans to get plungy on a on a trailer and roll it out there. Hey, you know, I'm always available for a cannonball, buddy. Nothing better than a fat guy jumping in a pool. <laughs> That's what I wanted for Christmas was a cannonball. But uh, you know, <laughs> I've got an interesting guy in Ohio. who's like I live on a lake, and I got a bunch of people who want to get these pools, uh, but I don't know how we're going to crane them in. I go. Call your crane guys. See if we'll put the crane on a bar. <laughs> That'd be killer. I'd love to see a crane picking up a, a one 
off one bar, just drop it into place. And so he's like, yeah, my crane guy said we can do it. So I'm like, I'm in. Let's go. Cleveland Browns, Plungy, let's go. I don't like the idea of the boat named Plungy, but I like the idea of this project. Well, Donovan, we very much appreciate you coming on the show with us. And we hope to see you in person very soon again. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, thanks again, brother. We appreciate it. Bye. All right, guys. What did we learn today? What did you learn, Jana? What were we supposed to learn? <laughs> it's not a multiple choice question. <laughs> this isn't part of the script. <laughs> We learned that, uh, I, you know, Donovan uh, has worn multiple hats in his career. I mean, very interesting dude. I, I really, you know, I, again, I, I made the joke of he was always the guy walking around in a suit at the trade shows. You know, really interesting career. And, and again, solid, solid guy. And, and this plungy pool that he's he's now with. I mean, you can plop a pool in everybody's backyard right at the get-go as you're building these homes. That's a great concept. I love the idea. Well, not just that, but with the delays. Because, I mean, in years past, it took four to six weeks to get an in-ground pole built. This year, it was 12, 16 even longer. If a builder has that upper hand where they're like, hey, we can have it in in two weeks, people are going to pay for that. Anybody who can get the Prime Minister of Australia on the phone should be able to get you a pump by the weekend. You know what I mean? Uh, Little kids and old people, the worst swimmers ever. All kinds of peanuts, buddy. Lots of peanuts being released.